to worship God through the preaching of His Word. We are continuing in our series through the Beatitudes, and so let us turn together once again to the Gospel of Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount, found in Matthew chapter 5. Our focus today will be Matthew 5, verse 5, blessed are the meek. Perhaps you saw that already from our scripture reading in Psalm 37. Uh, Most of you probably recall a few months ago we had a visiting preacher, Pastor Ron Miller, from um, what was formerly our sending church, Covenant Baptist Church in Clarksville, Tennessee. And if you were here, then perhaps you remember that Pastor Ron preached this very verse, Matthew 5.5, blessed are the meek. And you know, I must say that it was probably one of the best treatments of this passage I've ever heard. It's on our sermon audio page. I encourage you to go back and listen to it again if you have a chance. Um, given this, I'm, I'm under no delusions that uh, I can repeat or match or improve upon his sermon there. Uh, but I can learn from him. I can follow his exegesis and I can repeat the substance of what he preached and That's my goal here this morning. Um, It's rare indeed that we hear a sermon or even a truth just once and then we just change. Right? A mark of a good teacher is that a good teacher repeats the same lesson over and over in different ways and in different words. And it's good for us to hear truths again and again and again until it's drilled into our hearts. And so that's why I'm preaching it again today, just two months later. Matthew 5 5, blessed are the meek. Well, let's read this passage. Uh, We'll begin reading in verse 5. Brethren, let's remember this is God's word. This is Jesus Christ himself preaching to us this morning. Matthew 5 1. Seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Amen. Let's pray again. Bow with me. Our God and Father, we stop again, and we ask that through your word, by the Holy Spirit, We ask, Lord, that you would yoke our hearts to the Lord Jesus Christ, that we would learn from him, the one who is meek and lowly in heart, and that learning from him, we would find rest for our weary souls. Father, we pray that you would speak to us, that you would convict us, but though you would convict us, that you would also encourage us and give us hope. Father, we cling to You. We do not let go until You impart to us a spiritual blessing. Bless us, we pray, through Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, as we've seen over and over and over again with each beatitude, Jesus continues to turn upside down all of our ideas about happiness and the good life and and what the kingdom of God looks like. And we've seen this as we've gone through these Beatitudes one by one. What does it mean to be happy? What does it mean to be blessed? What does it mean to be favored? It doesn't mean to be rich and plentiful and comfortable. 
means to be poor in spirit. What does it mean to be happy and joyful and content and satisfied? It isn't found in earthly ease and success and when just everything goes right in my life. It's rather found in a life marked by mourning. Mourning as an act of worship. Mourning over our sin, our poverty. Mourning over the sin and curse all around us in this world. It's a path to happiness and fulfillment and blessedness. Well, in the same counterintuitive respect, who is it that truly attains success? Who is it that will conquer, in a sense, and thus inherit the earth? The Jews, those who were listening to Jesus at this time, they expected a powerful, conquering Messiah. They expected one who would come through military might and conquest and strength usher in a glorious earthly kingdom, crush all those wicked, unbelieving Romans, so that the Jews and the nation of Israel might inherit the earth by force and by might. That's part of why Jesus' words here were so shocking. He tells them, no, it's the meek, the lowly, the humble who will actually win in the end. Counterintuitive counter-cultural in every respect. Now, we don't live in that kind of uh, same environment. We don't have those expectations, typically, of a powerful Christian kingdom here on earth. But even still, don't we bristle a bit when we're told that meekness leads to true riches and blessing in life? I mean, we live in a world where we assume and we hear that, that it's the strong who survive. We assume and we see all around us that it's the mighty who love to trample on the weak, trample on the meek. I mean, it's drilled in our heads by seemingly every voice in society. You want to get ahead in life? You need to be aggressive. You need to express yourself. You need to assert yourself. You need to stand up for your rights. Take no prisoners. Let nobody tell you no. Let nobody tie you down or break your pride. Whatever it is that you want, you need to go out and grab it. As I heard one politician recently put it, if you don't have a seat at the table, that means you're on the menu. Recently, I was uh, preparing to officiate a funeral, and I did some research on funeral songs. I was trying to put together an order of worship, uh, or an order of service, that is, and uh, so I just researched a little bit. What are the most popular funeral songs in America? And I found that, this probably is no surprise to you, but for the last several decades, uh, one of the most popular funeral songs, top of the list, it's got staying power, is uh, Frank Sinatra's I Did It My Way. And you're probably familiar with that. It's a, it's a classic song. Um, it's been covered by many. I, I recently heard a, a cover by Elvis as well. Um, and it's probably been used as a sermon illustration and many sermons before if you've been in church for a while. Uh, but the closing refrain goes like this. What is a man, what has he got, if not himself, he has not. In a U-G-H-T, he has nothing. If he doesn't have himself, he doesn't have anything. What is a man, if not to say the things that he truly feels and not the words of one who kneels, 
Let the record show I took the blows and I did it my way. I mean, doesn't that perfectly kind of encapsulate the spirit of our age? American individualism. You know, rugged, aggressive, self-sufficient, self-made man. Doesn't it echo as well the natural spirit of fallen humanity? Right? The way to get ahead is to trust in myself and I'm going to do it myself. I don't need any help. Well, what Jesus says here is directly and emphatically the precise opposite of this spirit. What marks the inbreaking of the new creation within an individual? Right? The kingdom of God within you? What is a distinguishing characteristic of every true Christian without which conversion and salvation have not taken place? What marks a state of covenantal well-being with our God and Creator? What is it that pleases God? What is it that enjoys His favor? What is it and how is it that one conquers ultimately in the end and inherits all things? It's not through might and strength and power and resolve. It's not through pride and aggressiveness and assertiveness. It's not through standing up for your rights and stubbornly asserting, asserting your way, never taking no for an answer, always making sure people know how you feel, always making sure that eye for eye and tooth for tooth is repaid in all things. No, the path up to glory first travels down through meekness. And that which may seem to make us sink lower and lower in the eyes of men is the way in which we rise higher and higher in the esteem and eyes of God. It is the meek who are truly blessed. It is the meek who are truly happy. It is the meek who are truly conquerors. And this is true no matter how much their meekness here on earth causes them to be trampled or run over in this life. That's what I want you to see today. I want you to see how Jesus pronounces a blessing upon those who are meek and how counterintuitive that is to everything that is natural within us. As an outline, we'll answer three questions. I want to uh, first answer, uh, ask and answer the question, what is meekness? Second, how are they blessed? Where does it come from? What, how, and where? We'll spend most of our time on the first one. That's the most important one. I want to ask the question, what is meekness? How are we to understand that? And the reason I frame it this way is because meekness, believe it or not, is kind of hard to define. Um, In fact, I was surprised at how many preachers and commentators I found that defined it a bit differently. Um, it was a little bit of a shock to me. Part of the problem for that is because there's a lot of things that coincide with weakness or flow meekness, excuse me, <laughs> coincide with meekness and flow out of meekness. Um, like humility, for example. Some assume that meekness just means humility, but not quite. Some assume that meekness means gentleness and lowliness. And no, these aren't precisely the essence of meekness, but since they're uh, so closely related at times, they're often associated with it. It's been kind of hard to define then. But not only this, I think as well, there's a lot of worldly or earthly aspects of meekness that may cause some confusion too. 
Uh, think of how uh, a sports announcer uh, might say something like, well, that was a really meek swing. You know, uh, he made a meek attempt at that shot. Um, you might speak of like a meek boxer, somebody who's hesitant, right? He's hesitant to strike. He's defensive, he's fearful. And so sometimes we can think of meekness as merely just a personality trait, like shyness, or someone who's timid, or agreeable, someone who's soft-spoken, someone who's quiet. I think in that respect, then, maybe we should begin with what meekness is not. Meekness is not weakness. We need to make sure of that. Meekness is not someone who's a coward, someone who doesn't have a backbone. Meekness is not just niceness either, or soft-spokenness, or indecisiveness, or lack of confidence. Meekness is not self-pity either, uh, someone who's always going around saying, oh, woe is me, I'm such a bad person, I'm always a failure. Even maybe Christians who constantly go around and say, oh, I'm such a depraved sinner, there's nothing good in me, which is true, but can take the form of self-pity. That's not meekness. Meekness is not someone who always rolls over while always willing to compromise. Meekness is not someone who always tells people what they want to hear. They're fearful. They're timid. They're shy. They're indifferent. They're indecisive. No, that's not meekness. We can even think of like Moses was described as the meekest man on earth. And yet he did many things like um, a, a powerful leader. Uh, he, he confronted sin and unbelief. He punished sin uh, in the wickedness of Israel. Jesus as well. The perfect example of meekness. And yet, you know, we're reminded that He made a whip of cords and He drove out the money changers. Meekness is not weakness. We need to remember here that These virtues of the Beatitudes are spiritual virtues. They're not natural to to human nature. They're not manifested in any way by unbelievers. They are virtues produced in God's children by the indwelling Holy Spirit. They're fruit of the Spirit. So what then is meekness? Well, simply put, meekness is a grace whereby we are enabled by the Holy Spirit to moderate our passions. It's a grace enabled by the Holy Spirit. We are able, enabled to moderate our passions. Self-control, in a sense. It is a grace of submission toward God which then forms how we then relate to others. In fact, that's a helpful way to think through this. We need to first think about how a Christian is meek toward God and this meekness leads um, uh, to meekness towards others. To To be meek toward God means to be submissive to God. Submissive to His Word. Submissive to His will. Submissive to His providence. This is someone who knows that He doesn't know what is best for his life, but God does. This is someone who quietly and trustingly submits to whatever God has said in his word, whatever God chooses to bring about in his life. The meek man is one who listens to the word of God. He loves it. He reads it. 
He meditates on it. He doesn't miss opportunities to hear it preached and taught. He doesn't quarrel with God's Word. He doesn't offer excuses for why he neglects God's Word. He doesn't receive it as casual, as unimportant. He isn't indifferent to it. The meek man receives God's Word like the psalmist in Psalm 119. Longest chapter in the Bible, over and over again. Lord, teach me Your commandments. Mold me according to Your statutes, according to Your Word. Meekness is first displayed in submission to the Word of God and love for it. I don't care how humble you might be otherwise. If you don't submit to the Word of God, you're not meek. Meekness is also the the man who listens to God's voice in providence. Whatever good or ill comes in life, he knows that God is sovereign. He knows that God is working this according to His plan toward our good and His glory. The cry of the meek is constantly, not my will, but thy will be done. This is a man who is equally happy wherever the Lord places him. Whether he's prosperous and influential and healthy and successful, or whether he's poor and sickly or lonely and friendless. He's happy. He's satisfied with what God gives him. He's content with his lot in life. And he's patient and he's trusting and he's self-controlled when things don't go his way. He's like holy Job. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. You see then how meekness is so entirely opposite to the spirit of I did it my way? You see how meekness is the entire opposite of leaning on your own understanding or following the stubbornness of your own heart? The opposite of meekness towards God is impatience in times of trouble. Murmuring and complaining to God. How could you let this happen? Don't I deserve better after all I've done? I'm not like these other people out there. Why do they have it easy and I have it miserable? What is your purpose in all this, God? I don't understand. The opposite of meekness is trusting in your own heart and following your own ways. Living life on your own terms. Doing what is right in your own eyes. Neglecting God's Word. Neglecting God's worship. Neglecting God's will. You may not consciously think, I'm going to follow my heart and not follow Scripture, but you evidence that by an indifference towards the Scriptures. An indifference or a casual approach to worship. It's just one list of of, of other things in life that are much more important. I gotta stay up to date on my on my shows. I gotta finish this series on Netflix. I neglect the word. I don't hide it in my heart. I don't treasure it. I don't love it. I don't listen to it. The opposite of meekness is a a lack of self-control as well. Fits of anger, passion, filthy speech. Angry, lashing out, abusive, discontentment, covetousness, complaining, despairing. You're not happy with life. You're not happy with someone else. And this is where it really spills over into meekness towards our neighbor. Uh, For meek towards God, it leads to meekness towards our neighbor because those who are truly and rightly meek towards God, they inevitably become meek towards others as well because others are made in the image of God. 
One way in which you dehumanize people as not made in the image of God is when you're not meek towards them. Meekness towards others entails self-control. Controlling our passions, controlling our words. So this is slow to anger. A willingness to quickly forgive. Not quarrelsome, not argumentative, not impatient, not self-centered, not self-focused. The meek person is not the defensive person. Always quick to give excuses for why they did what they did or said what they did when they were confronted by others. You see, the meek person knows like full well that they are a sinner through and through. They know that through and through. So there's no tendency to cover it up, right? Or to explain it away as if it doesn't exist. There's no despair when their sin comes to the surface. They don't feel the need to deny it when other people see it and point it out. Remember Charles Spurgeon on receiving criticism. I asked him how he responded. He said, well, this criticism, yeah, it hurts, but you know what? There's so many things that they don't know that are far worse. Somebody criticizes you, they can't see your heart. Your heart's a lot worse than anything people can see on the surface. A meek person lives in that reality. They receive criticism, they're open to it, even if it's not delivered uh, perfectly, or even if it's not 100% accurate in every respect. I found the insight of Martin Lloyd-Jones here to be particularly striking. Um, It hurts. Listen to this. He says, It's comparatively easy to be honest with ourselves before God and to acknowledge ourselves to be sinners in His sight. But how much more difficult is it to allow other people to say things like that about me? Don't we instinctively resent it? All of us prefer to condemn ourselves than to allow somebody else to condemn us. He goes on, I'm quite happy to recite the confession of sin in church and to call myself a miserable sinner. It causes me no great, no, uh, no great problem. I can take it in stride. But let somebody else come up to me and call me a miserable sinner and I want to punch him in the nose. Brethren, meekness is living in light of reality. The reality of who God says you are and who God says He is. The reality that you are a sinner, that you are a debtor, that everything that you receive, everything, is by sheer, undeserved grace. And so you don't just acknowledge this reality with your lips, but you also live like it in submission to His Word, submission to His will, and submission to how you relate to other people. And this is where I think most specifically, if you really want to get at the essence of meekness, if you really want to get to the very heart of what Jesus is emphasizing right here, um, you know, don't get caught up in all the gentleness and humility and soft-spokenness, things that go along with meekness. What Jesus is really emphasizing here is that true meekness is displayed ultimately when we are wronged. When we are wronged. You know, you can learn a lot about a person when they go through difficult trials. Don't we say that a lot? When you're squeezed, what's, what's, what you're made of comes out. But you know, you can learn a whole lot, maybe even more, about someone when they're sinned against. When they're wronged. 
It's pretty easy to be meek when everything goes my way. Everybody treats me how they should. Things go according to plan. Meekness is pretty easy. But true meekness is tr- it comes out when we are tried. When enmity and cruelty and injustice and insults and criticism come our way. True meekness is seen when people insult you. They mistreat you. They slander you. They sin against you. They take advantage of you. How do you respond? How do you respond? The meek bear insults, um, aggravations without being inflamed and flying off the handle. The meek are not easily provoked, but they are easily pacified. Quick to forgive. The meek assume the best of people. They assume the best intentions unless the evidence is too strong to deny. Their default, as it were, uh, as it is, is that even when they are wronged, the other person meant well. Maybe the other person made a mistake. Well, we all stumble in many ways. I will show them grace. I will bear their burdens. I will be long-suffering. I will give a soft answer to turn away wrath. I will repay their cursings with blessings. I will overcome evil with good. I will labor to give no offense and to take no offense. I will never avenge myself, but leave it to the wrath of God. Romans 12. If my enemy is hungry, I will feed him. If he is thirsty, I will give him something to to drink. When I am wronged, I will refer all revenge to God who judges justly. There's no need for me to take things into my own hands. As Thomas Watson says here beautifully, if any injury is offered to the spouse, the bride leaves it to her husband to revenge. Thus, it is unseemly, it is improper, for Christ's spouse to strike back. You see the immense strength of a meek person? <laughs> Not someone who's weak. They are the strongest, most resilient people in the world because of the Spirit of God dwelling in them. It's easy to yield to our passions. It's easy to stand up for our rights, to take what we deserve, but to overcome evil with good? That's true virtue. That's true strength. That's true spirit of the living God. So that's what meekness is. Meekness towards God leads to meekness towards others. It's immense strength to control our passions and to leave things in the hands of God and be molded and guided by Him in submission. So secondly, after defining meekness, we need to consider how is it that the meek are blessed? How are the meek blessed? John Calvin says here, When Christ promises to such persons the inheritance of the earth, we might think that exceedingly foolish. Why? Because we know the meek are so often marginalized. We know that the meek are so often trampled on and taken advantage of. We know that. And let me just warn you, right right here, 
you know, especially particularly to our young people, our young children, our young adults. I mean, there will be times in your life where you will have to choose many times. Are you going to follow God's word or are you going to ignore it or maybe excuse it away so that you can get ahead in life? One easy example, I think, is is our 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 workaholic society. Are you going to are you going to devote the Lord's day to worship and rest? Or you know what? I got to pay the bills. I want to get ahead. I want the promotion. I want this. I want that. There are times, many times, where you will have to decide between submitting to God's word or pursuing and attaining. Um, um, getting ahead in life. There are many times as well, you will be, have to choose, am I going to forgive and bless instead of curse? Or am I going to stay silent um, while others malign me and accuse me and start rumors that slander my reputation? Or when forgiving puts me to place at a great disadvantage? Where if I forgive, they're just going to keep going and they're going to take more and more and more. But this is the counterintuitive nature of Christ's kingdom. The meek are promised a blessing now. But you need to see that blessing is not in health and wealth and prosperity and success. It's not a blessing of worldly and earthly character. When Jesus says, blessed are... Again, as we've thought about, he's speaking of God's divine favor. A state of covenant well-being with God. And brethren, that blessing is that there's no greater joy or happiness in this world than receiving the smile of God's favor. The blessing and favor upon the meek is that they are thankful, they are content, they are grateful, and they are satisfied in life, whether in poverty or riches, whether in good times or in bad, because they know they have God's favor. You know, we see all around us in this world people searching and grasping for happiness and contentment. Isn't it instinctive for us to think that getting our own way, being our own boss, attaining the possessions and the lifestyle and the friends that we want, don't we just naturally assume that that is what gives us happiness and contentment and satisfaction? No, rather, as Augustine said here, If you are meek, you will possess the world. But if you are not, you will be possessed by the world. You won't own things. You won't own a career. Those things will own you. The meek are blessed then, right now, because knowing and living in light of the fact that they are loved by God, that everything they have is a gift from God, undeserved, and so they have this great enjoyment in the things of life. And they are content because they're delivered from greed. They've been delivered from self-serving and and coveting and a self-willed spirit. They're happy and content whatever God has chosen to give them. And they know, my life is not defined by the abundance of my possessions. Or my health, or my friends, or my career, or my house, or my home. The meek are content and happy because they they look and they say, I have the scriptures. 
I have everything I need for life and godliness. I have the Holy Spirit. I have the church. I delight in it. It's everything I need to persevere till the end. And so they enjoy communion with God right now. They are presently happy right now. They are united with Christ right now. He's seated at the right hand of God. We are seated with Him. And so we say, my cup overflows. Say with the psalmist, you've given me more joy than when grain and wine abound. That's true happiness. That's true blessedness. And it comes to the meek. It comes to those who submit to God in His Word, in His will, in His ways. And the greatest part about it is that that's just a foretaste of what will be ours in the future. Because Christ says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. They will inherit the earth. That's a promise that is certain. It's a promise that's set in stone. It's it's written in blood. It's written in the blood of the Lamb of God. When Christ returns, the saints will judge the world. When Christ consummates all things, the saints will inherit the new heavens and the new earth, a remade earth, our true inheritance. That's why even though the godless boast, they throw their weight around, they trample the meek, they marginalize, even though they do all these things, we can say, yes, I see this, but I live and I reign with Christ. And I say with Paul, though I have nothing, yet I possess everything. For while the meek will not overpower the earth, we will not overrun it with our great might. We will not outwit the earth, uh, the, the wicked with our tremendous wisdom. We will inherit it. It's God's gift to us. It's not the fruit of our own labors or efforts. It's Christ's gift for us because it is what Christ Himself won through His life, death, and resurrection. Think back to the temptation of Christ in the wilderness. Satan you know, takes Him to a high mountain. He says, look, all the kingdoms of the world, they can be yours right now. All you got to do is bow down and worship. That's all you got to do. Satan was promising to Him the inheritance of the earth. Promising him that you can have these things without ever having to go to the cross. Here's a crown without suffering. Here's an easy and comfortable way to have it all. And brethren, Satan continues to tempt us in the same way. Ease, comfort, riches, the world. You can have it all. And you can do this without traveling this difficult road of trust and submission and obedience and meekness. Christ obeyed His Father and He went humbly, meekly, obediently to the cross and thus attained the crown. And He's called us to travel the same road as well. When we are joined to Christ by faith, we, when we meekly live under His kingdom rule and His reign, the road is not easy. The suffering will come. But in the end, we will inherit it all. That's Christ's promise to you. And to me. This is how the meek are blessed. Now and in the future. This is what we enjoy now. And will enjoy at the last day. There's one last thing here. As we move to our conclusion. 
One last thing. You might be thinking at this point, I'm really not that meek. (laughs) You know, it's kind of like saying, I'm such a humble guy, right? Who here among us can say, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm a pretty meek guy, yeah, or gal. Yeah, yeah, that's... You might be thinking, you probably are thinking, you should be thinking. I'm not very meek. It's too difficult. It's too hard. Is this blessing really for me? Well, you need to remember here, again, Jesus doesn't say these things so we'll despair. He doesn't say them so that you'll doubt your salvation or you'll be overly critical of yourselves or even worse, that you'll say, now I just got to put my hands to work and make myself meek. No, Jesus is giving favor and blessing. Jesus is assuring us that that God sees and will defend and reward us even when we're trampled by the world. And Jesus is is, um, blessing the meek as a way in which He promises to to lead us into meekness as well. We are led to meekness through His blessing of meekness. Not through the command of be meek or else. And so third and finally, we need to consider where does meekness come from then? Where does it come from? How does it happen? Brethren, you should know, you must know, you can't make yourself meek. This is the work of the Holy Spirit within the heart, a mark of God's grace, the evidence of someone who's been born again, produced in you by the Holy Spirit. Not your own efforts and strength, even though we're called to cooperate in in the sense of um, keep in step with the Spirit. Where does meekness come come from? Well, we need to consider the first two Beatitudes because it flows right out of it. One must know their poverty of spirit and mourn their condition before they then display the positive virtue of meekness. Meekness grows out of a knowledge of our spiritual poverty. Meekness grows out of sorrow for our sinful condition. Self-righteousness and and self-sufficiency are the enemies of meekness. An excessive desire for worldly pleasure and and possessions is the enemy of meekness. So there's a progression here in these Beatitudes. Maybe Maybe a degression, actually. From poverty to mourning to meekness. Down, 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 which is up, up, up in the eyes of God. can't make ourselves poor in spirit. We can only recognize our condition. We can't mourn apart from the Spirit of God within us showing us our sin. It must be produced in us by Him. Same with meekness. Where then does it come from? Here, you may have noticed earlier, but um, Jesus is actually quoting Psalm 3711 here. We read Psalm 37 earlier. Just a little bit of homework for you today. Go home today and reread Psalm 37 in light of this sermon. Because that psalm shows you what meekness is and how we grow in meekness. The passage that Jesus quotes, 10 and 11, verse 10 and 11 says, In just a little while the wicked will be no more, though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. 
Here again, we see the, the wicked may seem to prosper now, but God will eventually reward the meek. And it's the meek who delight, right? They delight themselves in abundant peace. That's the blessing right now that we have by the Spirit. But if we take a, a bigger step back and consider the greater emphasis of Psalm 37, without a doubt, again and again, it all comes back to trust. Verse 3, trust in the Lord and do good. Verse 5, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him and He will act. Verse 7, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. A manifestation of trust. Verse 9, those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. Those who take refuge in the Lord uh, is is a closing verse as well. Trust, faith, waiting for God to act. That's the key to meekness. That's where meekness comes from. Not fretting over evildoers, injustice, circumstances of life, but our eyes fixed on God, trusting and waiting for Him to act, to do what He said He's going to do. And that is exactly the meekness displayed by Christ in 1 Peter 2.23, which we also read earlier. Christ was reviled, He did not revile in return. When He suffered, He did not threaten. How? Why? Because he continued entrusting himself to the one who judges justly. Meekness comes from trust. It's the product of faith. And most specifically, it comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. The one who is perfectly meek, who perfectly trusted his heavenly Father, even to the point of death on the cross, So that Christ's meekness is the source and the fountain of our meekness as well. And that's why Jesus says in Matthew 11, 29, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. I am meek and I am humble in heart, most specifically. To my knowledge, it's the only virtue that Jesus specifically draws our attention to, and bids us to imitate. He never tells us, hey, learn from me how to perform miracles, or raise the dead, or deliver sermons, or rebuke the wicked. But He says, yes, learn from me how to be meek. Meekness then comes when we yoke ourselves to Jesus. We cling to Him. We bind ourselves to Him. We do not let him go. We follow him in faith. And you know, that's true of any skill or trade in life, isn't it? Right? We want to learn it. We want to grow in it. We want to model it. We need to spend time with the masters. So to grow in meekness, we need to listen and yield ourselves to his word. Be often among his people in his worship. Speak regularly to Him in prayer. Commune with Him in the supper. Meditate upon Him regularly. Surrendering our lives to His Word, His will, His his ways. Meekness then comes by Christ's Word, through Christ's Spirit, in the means of grace, which communicate Him to us and form us into His image. So brethren, as we conclude this morning, 
I hope you've seen the counterintuitive, countercultural nature of Christian meekness. I hope you've seen the blessing and favor that Christ promises the meek as well. And I hope you have been encouraged, not, not discouraged by your lack of meekness, but encouraged by the fact that if you have Christ, His Word, and His Holy Spirit, He will lead you into meekness. And you are called to prize it and pursue it and value it. And everything that He commands of you, He will bring about through faith as you trustingly cling to Him and give yourselves to the means of grace, word, prayer, worship, trust. Where then is the Lord calling you to be meek? In what relationship? In what relationship in life? In what way in life, in providence of life, is the Lord calling you to be meek? I pray that you will listen to the voice of our Savior this morning. And that you will listen and that you will submit yourselves to His Word in obedience and in faith. And let me just assure you, on the authority of God and Christ, as He has declared in His Word, you will inherit it all when you have Jesus. May God give us the eyes. May God give us the heart. May God give us the faith this morning to receive Him and to yoke ourselves to our Savior. Amen. Let's pray.